In this episode, we dive deep into the world of pup play and neurodivergence. Joining us as our guest is Puppy Ripley to talk about their personal experiences with autism, pup play and their kink journey. They share their story about how they got into pup play, their transition from alpha pup to dom and their involvement in Puppy Island and charity work. Plus, we explore how pup play has been a supportive tool for them in relation to their autism and discuss ways the BDSM community can become more inclusive for individuals with autism spectrum condition. Many thanks to Puppy Ripley, and we hope you love the episode. This podcast contains frank discussions about sex, kink, and BDSM. If you're a consenting adult who wants to learn more about these topics, then stay tuned. You're listening to Chief from kinkyevents.co.uk. Helping you create the dom sub dynamic you've always fantasized about. Welcome, Ripley. Thank you for Hello. joining us on Conversations with the Dom. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So, we're joined by uh, Ripley and Wano. Hi. Hello. Hello. I guess we'll jump straight in with the opening question Who are you, and how does your life relate to the world of DS? Well, I would be known in Ireland as Puppy Ripley, or just Ripley or Rippers. I am autistic, so I am on the ASC, which is the new term now. It's Autistic Spectrum Condition. And I also have been exploring into the world of Dom and being, what was in the pup community, I would be kind of an alpha pup, an alpha leather pup. So I've always kind of been that. I have experimented in the subside and and getting into that but definitely my natural abilities lie in being an alpha pup and then i started to do when i got more comfortable in the kink community i um, started to take off the hood a little bit more and started to explore full leather dom with muir cap and and proper tom of finland look so that's where I am at the moment. So, and, the, and obviously the main thing that I would be platforming on or main thing that I would be passionate about in the King community is autism and making sure that people with ASC or who are on the spectrum some way are included, that they are understood a little bit better and not feared in which they can be an awful lot in the King community. I know it's certainly a topic that members of our community have been asking for us to do a podcast about, and I didn't feel qualified to do it because mm -hmm. I, I don't profess to know a lot about the subject. So it's your email came in at a very timely opportunity. So, so we're delighted to have you here and to talk about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I would like to talk a little bit more about the, the pup side of things first, just because mm -hmm. again, it's not a, it's not my style of, of dominance and submission. So I don't know a lot about it. Could you tell us what, being a pup involves pup play is like autism as well it's a spectrum there's no set criteria to be a pup there's not even you don't even need a hood a lot of people think that you need to have the proper hood the mr b or the mr s or the really fancy hoods that have fancy colors and full body kind of latex or all this expensive gear for me it started a good few years a few years ago i saw something online just randomly popped up in my feed and i saw a, pup, a puppy like a, a human puppy and i said what in the name of god is this this i had no idea i've never seen this before but just on all fours messing around wrestling 
and not communicating through words. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. So when the pandemic happened, everything locked down in Ireland, and I started to kind of get a little bit involved, a little bit more, kind of researching more into the kink world, into then puppy in particular. And I, as most if, uh, first-time puppies do, went onto Amazon. So <laughs> straight onto Amazon, my 30 euro or 20 euro puppy hood neoprene did not fit at all. <laughs> I had a huge head and this is a tiny little neoprene hood, but I said I would try it in the comfort and privacy of my home in my living room. Tried it on and thus <laughs> basically a king or a fetish was born. It blocked out all senses. Well, to, it narrowed my senses. So the neoprene went over my ears and blocked out some sound. My head was being compressed, so I felt as if I was being held tight. It gave me a more sense of self, a sense of what we call proprioception, so I could feel my body in space easier. And it narrowed my vision as well to have to look in one particular area. So that, for the autistic side of me, started to feel good. And then being when the pandemic was ending, things were starting to lift. I started to go into the king community and see actual pups in real life. There was very few when I started. There was really only a handful. And eventually I got the courage, slip on the hood in public in one of the kink events and see what it was like. And suddenly people, were, I didn't have to communicate with words. I didn't have to judge someone's facial expression. All of that was gone. I could rely on instinct. I could rely on someone very, very clearly gesturing with their head what they wanted or what they needed or communicating with what we call boops. So like booping each other's, it's stupid, but booping each other's snoot. You, yeah. You, kind of, you, know, <laughs> touch, <laughs> you boop the snoot. Yes. <laughs> and it's just things like that. And feeling kind of as if I didn't, I no longer need, had the level of social anxiety that I had been feeling when I just went out to normal bars and I had to always have something to say, or I had to be prepared for what someone else was going to say, or someone will think I'm weird or so. Now I was covered. No one knew who I was. I could drop facial expressions. I didn't have to interpret anything. And it was just, I relaxed for the first time. And that's thus a, pup, a puppy was born. That sounds really, really nice. And I, it sounds like it's a great, security blanket um, for anyone who's socially anxious. I'm curious, do you think that when you first put on the mask, was it more appeasing to your autistic side before getting into like a, a kink or, or sexual element? Or do you do you see there being a crossover between the two? It did at the start for me, like I've always assumed that there would be a crossover between sex and pup play for me it just appeased the autistic side for now i wasn't looking into i saw that it was a kink obviously it was a fetish but at the very start and it's interesting the development of it he, ripley came out as not being very sexual it was very much just it this was an autistic blanket nearly it was like a weighted blanket in public because when i get what we term in autism would be burnout or a meltdown when senses get so overloaded that your brain resets and you can stim 
So you can do strange movements, you can have repetitive motions, and people will think you're very strange. <laughs> if when that happens somewhere like a club or a pub, they think you're drunk. They think you're acting very strangely. So when the hood went on, when I get like that, I always liked compression. So my husband would grab me by the shoulders and squeeze me in a bear hug. And that just calms me down. This was like a version of that happening in public. So I could always feel that tightness, that compression. Eventually, then it did, I did start experimenting with it sexually. So Ripley, said, Ripley has had fun, will we say. <laughs> <laughs> but I, he has gone back now to kind of being, in a way, ace mm. and not highly sexual. So he's much more about play, wrestle, social interaction, like social community kind of based interaction more so but definitely he appeased the autistic side more than the sexual side at the start and could you just describe what happens at these kind of events are there presumably there are specific pup events yes and i'm also what's it called a mush mush. mush. that makes sense a mush yeah mush yeah Yeah, exactly okay yeah and do you and the other the follow-up question is i assume you don't have to have an owner but do owners also go and kind of watch like, i'm just really i'm super yep. curious because it's not a world so, i know much about when you're when you're a, uh, a puppy and a lot of puppies would be subs or they would be betas or omegas so if you have your pack and at the top will sit the alpha or the handler and then underneath them would be betas and um, who are kind of head of the pups but not as high as the handler and then you would have omegas who are total subs and when you have when you're in your hood and you drop into like it is subspace that you go into when you're but we call it pup space. And when you get into that, you really can sometimes get very like all your instinct, you really rely on your instincts. And your the handlers would attend something like a mosh to make sure that if their pup that they are that they've brought or that their um sub is in the mosh wrestling if they think that they're getting too heavy or if they're getting too aggressive or too much he will take them out and so they are kind of like referees that they will see that oh no hang on this this pup is going a bit too far and he'll be taken out and calmed calmed down for a little while so yeah no handlers so they would they would be the handlers but be the ones who um basically they're like dog owners they would have their pup and it would be a sub-dom relationship, but the sub would be the pup. Mm. So it, really, it does look the same. So is it just a bunch of like wrestling and play primarily on the ground? Or mm-hmm. is there also like a social element? I don't know. Or... Yeah. So we would have over here, we have a few groups that we would meet. One of the one that would be dedicated solely to pups is the kinky pups. And they, if they were doing a mosh, then a whole kind of ground floor area we put the mats would be put down and it's focused for pups so there's balls there's squishy play toys there's squeaky toys there's it's probably like a dog park and the handlers will come in and just say right off you go and they'll go in they'll wrestle there will be different types of parties so those would tend to be social and there would be games and normally kind of during the day they can run at night but it wouldn't be sexual any sexual activity allowed so and no exposed bums or asses or anything like that it would be to be covered from the waist at least down and they would wrestle around on the ground 
and just have fun and play and there wouldn't be a sexual element. Then you can have ones where it's explicitly stated that this is possible for sexual activity as well to happen. That would be normally taken to a separate area, though. It wouldn't be done on places where people are wrestling. It would be brought to dark areas, dark rooms or play areas. What's the gender split? Is it mainly a sort of gay male type arena? Or what's, how does that break down? Yeah, over here it is. It does seem to be primarily gay male or for, in my case, pansexual. There is, I know of, I know in the UK, there are female pups, female identifying pups and for female at birth pups. I There aren't in Ireland that I have met. There are straight pups, straight male pups, but there are very, very few. It mm. seems it does seem to be the queer community that that has the mo- that has the kind of the most amount. Do you think there's is it because of the history of the leather movement and that there's some connection there? Yeah, there it definitely is. Like, although I would be a leather pup, I'm not. I don't think I'm the. I'm not the only leather pup, but I'm certainly most of the pups would be in things like spandex or. Well, what do you call them? The wrestling, wrestle things. The suits. The re- the suit, yeah, like the wrestling the American suits. Suit exactly, suits. yeah. Okay. I can't think of the name of it. Singlet. No, uh, there we go, yes, singlet. They would be in them because they're down on the ground of wrestling. I have, because I'm slightly older, I came to a pub late. I did do that for a while. And I ended up just, yeah, I don't belong on the floor that much. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> sorry. And, I'm dodgy. I'm dodgy. Yeah, I would, I would feel, I'm feel dodgy back. Yeah, and all I need is some young pup to jump on me and that's me gone for six weeks. So, uh, no, I decided kind of, I because I, I started in leather when I was in the kink scene first, I started with that Tom of Finland look, the bluff look. Well, it's not, I'm not in bluff, but the, the full leather head to toe. And that's where I started. So I kind of went back to that then after Ripley was born. And I said, no, there's no reason why I can't be a leather pup. So I just don't get down on the floor. I'm not doing that to my leathers. I guess wearing um, leather gives you the excuse. You're like, oh, no, don't want to don't want to ruin this. So. Yeah, or can't even yeah. bend the knees. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I've, I'm definitely seen as well as being much more of a, I hate saying father figure because I don't, I, I hate being daddy or anything like that. That's just not me. But I would be a very big, kind of a big caretaker. For a lot of the younger pups like i can see i will i'll almost act like a handler because we also have very few handlers over here mm. we have way more pups than we would handlers it's good to have a pup that might be that kind of step out and look and just make sure that everyone is comfortable and everyone is kind of following the rules that mm. does sound very much like an like an alpha pup responsibility kind of you know role model for the pack exactly yeah so i'm i'm i just generally don't get down onto the ground anymore for sure I was I was curious if is and I don't know if this is true but is autism more prevalent in males and therefore that's why and if if pup play is kind of people into autism find it comforting in some way that's why the more males in in the scene I, I was my brain was going down that that route yeah that is that is something that people often assume that there is more autistic males than females it's untrue unfortunately well for it's there have been studies done and unfortunately what happened what's happening is that females there is an inherent opinion in society that girls are quiet girls are demure girls are like ladies and they're this is a stereotypical view that people have had of women and their role so autism wasn't spotted in an awful lot of women 
boys are meant to be meant to be boisterous. They're meant to be friendly. They're meant to be rough. They're meant to do these types of things. And if you weren't doing that, it was noticed. So if a boy was on his own, not making friends, not into football, not into all of these things, they were being seen as weird. We need to get this checked. There's something not right. But a girl doing that was totally normal. So what we're seeing now is that in later years, when now autism is becoming more understood, there are actually equivalent amounts of girls who are neurodivergent, autistic and ADHD. It's just that it was never identified. Their behaviors were seen as ladylike. So there are as for the pub community, I think there are certainly more. There's certainly more neurodivergent people in pub play. Whether there be the more males, probably it is because it it does it's seen as being a part of the gay community, a part of the queer community. So girls tend, definitely in our groups anyway, girls don't, women don't get involved in it as much because it is held in the queer queer spaces more so. Mm. I know we have got some straight leaning, or dev, no, they would be straight clubs, like kink events and fetish events in Dublin. I know of only one pop that I've ever seen at it who would be straight, but also male. Mm. So yeah. I guess if the pup play also involves sort of a lot of rough play, maybe that wouldn't be as appealing. Yeah, with with, with girls, yeah, yeah. sometimes. And you, I would see, I know of the UK mm. female pups, they would tend to be slightly more reserved. Mm. I think actually our last, that your last puppy UK was female ah. or female identifying, I believe. I've seen a, a few female identifying puppies at various events. Not mm. many at all, and they definitely stand out as they they look great. So yes. <laughs> like their yeah. their aesthetic is always really Gorgeous. on point. Yeah. There is I know that there is a girl over here who when I went for a I had to, I was doing a photo shoot with one of the straight leaning clubs and I brought all of my gear. So I brought puppy and I brought puppy Ripley and I brought my full leather dom look and the one I put my hood on, she went crazy. She absolutely. Adored pups. So she would be a perfect handler. But mm. yet there are no pups for her to handle, unfortunately, in the straight in the straight clubs. But she would she just carried me, she just brought me around on the lead for the entire day. Oh, that's <laughs> so sweet. So, it sounds so <laughs> cute and wholesome. I love it. Yeah. Mm, it is. It's not it's fun. And it's just nice that as well, if I'm standing in my pup pod, I'll be chatting with people and everything will be fine if i start to feel a little bit this is getting too much this i don't i'm not liking something i have an excuse i'll go down onto my all fours or onto my knees and i'll hold my handler's leg mm. and i'll just sit, just sit there for a while and no one comes near me they might rub the top of my head or give me chin scratches or something but they don't interact with me anymore so yeah. it's a nice escape for things like that i feel like i need that <laughs> it is very night out, on a night out i could do with that escape yeah um, and there is like in in puppy events especially and more it's happening a little bit more and more that there are chill out areas mm. um i know when i went to darklands in belgium they they did have um a chill out zone for neurodivergent people unfortunately it was taken over with people just talking mm. on, and on their phones um so it wasn't really enforced but at least it was a try they did try and that's like it's a step in a, it's a step in the right direction our one um, over here called Oink, which is out in Kink, um, they do they do a kind of a chill out zone as well. They so it would be really good as well if you're a sub and you've slipped into subspace a little bit too far, your dom can bring you in and just calm, calm you down, bring you back to normal before you have to go back out. And autistic people would can use that as well. Also, they supply earful ear plugs when you oh, go in if oh, you nice. need them. 
so they would be just given to you and just so you can drown out some of the music if you put your hood on it's nice you can drown out the sounds people don't react with you they don't read your facial expressions as well so if you have a facial stim and as part of your autism you don't feel it you don't feel the need to have to hide it Mm. anymore which all of this masking and hiding and kind of imitating other people's behavior is what causes burnout Mm. and exhaustion in autistic people Mm. do you see there being a correlation or at least some sort of similarity between pup play and pet play and like a ddlg age play it when you've been speaking i keep on being reminded of age players or age regressors who seem to use a lot of similar things as a way to calm themselves down and keep their anxiety down in social situations like using dummies or or being able to be nonverbal and having an excuse to do that Mm -hmm. there is i've noticed recently the more i've been talking with people there is a lot even i didn't even realize to the extent only over the past probably six seven months that i've been talking with some of the pups and realize that yes they actually a lot of them are into abdl they're into age play and but because it seems to be seen certainly in over here anyway it that is a very difficult thing to bring out into a event kind of mm-hmm. setting into like a lot of i know guys would feel very unless it's specifically age play related event they feel they that's not something that they can bring to a general kink or fetish event mm-hmm. but i certainly the pups that i know i would say there's a good percentage who would be into abdl at diaper play or age play and like dressing like like wearing the i don't know what they're called the pajama kind of onesies um, mm. onesies or, thank you yeah. yes that sort of thing um but it's just not something that they bring out into the kink community as much they still see that for some reason still seems an uncomfortable taboo Mm. that people are reluctant to bring out it's more perhaps acceptable or it's easier to be perceived as a puppy you know in like in a kink space anyone can be oh puppy but like if you get anyone playing with age then there's going to be that wariness that is or more of the the stigma or taboo that people don't understand but yes. if uh, someone wearing a, a pup mask you just know that pretty clearly that they're being a puppy there's not going mm-hmm. to be any sort of question about yeah. but there is a huge overlap yeah because even puppies i know i would see them they would be on their back with like legs up in the air like a baby kind of doing that getting their bellies rubbed getting told that they're a good boy and so so there is overlap in the kind of the brain space or what it what people are getting from it definitely mm-hmm. there is overlap it's similar to your you and rope play like you mm-hmm. find the constriction of the rope to reduce your anxiety yeah now that i've been diagnosed as adhd i can see that it's certainly acting as a type of stimulation restrictor that is yeah. very soothing and mm-hmm. it means that I can't have all the racing thoughts. I have to just focus in. It's really relaxing. And, and I love that. I love the idea of being bound and restricted. It it helps me be able to focus and, and hone in. So when yeah. you've been explaining about the pup mask, I'm like, oh, on one level, I find the idea of that really appealing. So I, I totally can understand the bringing all the overwhelming sensations down to a more manageable level. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 
Like for me, I certainly love like exactly that. Even my day to day life, I wear a compression uh, vest underneath all my clothes and it's in bits. I've worn it so much because I wear it every single day. And it's just people with autism have a tendency to have poor, as I said earlier, proprioception. So it's the awareness of your body in space. So it's I would have you could. So I would tend to be clumsy. I would walk into things. I would drop things. I would forget that something is in my hand and I will just bend over and the whole thing will just spill out. And so for the compression allows me to kind of have a constant sense of where I am at any time, what my hands are doing, where my body is turning. So like I know like if I'm not wearing it, I tend to walk. I terribly, terrible way that it's been said to me is that I walk like an umpa Loompa. I kind of have that side to side because I can't feel where my body is. So I kind of I slip and I fall and I put, put on my compression top. I feel a little bit more secure. And then when I'm in a kink environment, put on my hood, mm. then everything feels more secure. Uh, put on latex. It's even better. Again, you get total constriction in that or uh, compression. And I've worn full kind of cat suits of latex, which is an amazing feeling. I'd like to explore more about the the link, in your opinion, between autism, neuro neurodivergency. Is that a word? Neurodivergence. Neurodivergence. And, and yeah. kink. Because we, I, I am seeing more people on the kinky events community, the discords that we run, sort of bringing up the fact that they are, they, you know, say they're neurodivergent. And so... It did get me thinking, is there a higher percentage if you took the population of kinksters? It does seem to be that there is a higher than average than you'd expect in the general population of, of neurodivergent people. So oh, yeah. what's your what's your take on, on that? Well, they did do a study a while ago. I can't, I'll try and give you a guess, send you over the links and you can put them up on yeah. your site if they want. But they're kind of their technical, um, psychological evaluations and so some of them are quite boring to read but the findings have been though that 70 in the general population you're 70 percent likely to be heterosexual just outrightly straight as we say in inverted commas normal nothing um kinky or anything unusual if you are neurodivergent in our in just the autistic community you are 70 percent more likely to be non-gender conforming so 70% are not are going to be in the LGBT community. So that's a huge statement that autism and the queer community are very linked mm -hmm. in that sense. And they have kind of tried, they've tried to figure out why this is. Why is it that there are so many uh, queer people, um, LGBTQIA people in the autistic community? And they seem to be leaning towards the opinion that because we aren't or restricted as much with social norms, we don't really understand it as much as neurotypical people do. We kind of look at some of the behaviors as being, why? okay, that's just what people do. I'll just do it because I'm just going to pretend. I don't understand why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. So we have, a like autistic people have a tendency to be frank, very honest with themselves and if someone thinks like, oh, I kind of like that person. Oh, okay. That means I'm gay. Okay. And we don't really care because we don't care. Well, in a lot of cases, we don't care as much of, or even really comprehend as much what um, society's opinions are going to be on that. We just live in a more open and honest kind of way with ourselves. So they think that that's probably 
a good reason as to why there would be a higher percentage. Like de definitely gender fluidity, sexual sexuality fluidity as well. Like I would be pansexual. I know several other people who are autistic and pansexual or demisexual or ace. And there's just a much, much higher percentage of that with autistic people and the LGBT community. Mm. So in other words, if the if the norms were less caring about what society thought of them, they would probably be into a lot of the stuff mm. if they, they yeah, just, they if just you can't do it because mm. yep. yeah, they were too worried about mm -hmm. what like they've like you've grown up you for some reason people who are neurotypical, what we call um holistic, mm. they would have they just have an inbuilt it's ingrained in you like that you know what society expects you know what you should be doing and it's natural whereas for us it's not natural like how we are is natural mm. so we're just more likely to be if they also say that if you've had one like homosexual encounter there is a there is a tendency for an autistic person to have one homosexual encounter and just go oh okay i'm gay now mm. and just and then realize later oh i'm not quite gay because i also do like mm. women so hmm what am I? And they'll explore that and not care what society thinks. Yeah. I think it makes sense that there's a higher percentage of neurodivergence in BDSM spaces because BDSM is already on the fringes of society. It is already a marginalized sort of space where people are seeing what is typical and choosing to do some atypical behavior from the norms that were, were brought up with and I and of course there's going to be an appeal then to people who are already feeling that way and they're like ah finally a place for me yeah. uh, so it makes perfect sense to me um, and also with the BDSM community the one brilliant thing that I as an autistic person loved coming into it was it was so well, it showed, this is me talking in a general term I know that we, there is definitely um, serious issues with in certain circumstances, but I found that the rules were very clear. It, you basically were given a handbook and you were told you are not allowed to do this. You are not allowed to do this, but this and this and this are acceptable. So, ah, fantastic. I can now, I don't have to, I don't have to judge for myself what is going to be acceptable in this situation. I don't have an expectation on me. It's that you are not allowed to do this. And these are the rules. Oh, I could even, finally, I could actually relax in a community and not have to worry about. Now, we do have issues surrounding certain things with consent and thing, and especially when it comes to Tom's up relationships and everything and younger people coming in and pups as well. But generally speaking, that clear, discussed, open rule book was what attracted me and made me comfortable for the first time in my life. Yeah, and a schedule of events too. Like sexual play will happen at this time in this room. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. And there's also like there's a build as well. You're not there's nothing sudden. You're not mm. going to suddenly start being flogged from somewhere mm. random. Like there's a very clear setup of a scene. You're discuss you discuss beforehand. What are you okay with? What are you not okay with? What is your word? What's your safe word? Or what? What kind of what system do you want to use? Do you want to use red light or sorry red yellow green? I know the even when you're bound, when you're gagged, anything, there are, we'll, you'll always have a discussion as to how are you going to communicate with me when things are going too far, etc. And all of that just means that I don't have to worry that I'm doing something wrong. I don't have to worry that 
that I'm overstepping or anything. I, we have discussed this and I know that this is okay. Mm, yeah. I'd like to dig more into the autism side of things, if that's all right, because mm -hmm. I know that's, that's kind of, I think people will be very interested in this. How does it present in individuals based on your experience? If, if, you know, I'm a kinkster and I'm interacting with someone, what are some things that I should look out for or, or be aware of? Dr. Temple Grandin, <laughs> I always go back to her whenever anyone asks me, what is autism? She has the most succinct way of putting it, which is when you met, if you have met one autistic person, you have met one autistic person because it is such a spectrum. You will not there. It, it shows up so differently in everyone. It's almost impossible to be able to say that like psychology or clinical practitioners would be able to, they have their set criteria of specific things, but it shows up so differently. The general ones for me anyway, would be, I can't, I don't like making eye contact when someone kind of is trying to speak to me, to me, they think that I'm being rude because I look down constantly. I won't, I feel if I look up, I'll lose all train of conversation, all train of thought, because I'll be so focused on, okay, now I'm making eye contact. I have to make eye contact, keep making eye contact. Oh, they're talking. I'm not listening to them anymore. Oh no. What are they talking? <laughs> now they've stopped talking. And I think they've asked me a question, but I'm still making eye contact. So that's one of the ways that it would show up in me. So sensory issues. So you can have sensory assaults pretty easily. So if there's sudden a sudden loud noise, even someone just suddenly laughs near me, it will reset me. Like So I'll be in the middle of a train of thought or I'll be in the middle of speaking. A sudden loud noise, everything stops, resets, and I won't have a clue what I was just talking about. Inflexibility of routine would be another one that people like their routines. They don't and change to it can cause burnout, can cause meltdown. The touch aversion, I don't like hugging. So for a kingster, it's probably unusual because I I just don't like hugging. So most of my friends would know you wave to me. You don't come in for a hug, just don't like it. Interpreting social cues, things like that. All of those things all combined is kind of what makes someone, makes someone uh, autistic, really. So it's mm. such a spectrum and it can go from, they say that autism is a superpower and that absolutely can be. Like all you have to do is look at Silicon Valley, as Dr. Temple Grandin always says, you look at Silicon Valley, you're going to, it's going to be hard to find a neurotypical person in there. Like they're, they're so laser focused on what they do. They're amazing. They're so skilled at what they do. But then you, because of the spectrum, you also have to remember there is the opposite side. There is the side where people will have to be in assisted living and it is a disability. It is something that they will need constant help with. So mm. it's really difficult to be able to put your finger on, this is what makes someone autistic. Mm. So how can kink spaces and BDSM spaces help those who are neurodivergent and specifically autistic? Well, I think that we're doing, certainly from over here, they are doing a really good job, with, especially with open communication, clearly stating, this is what I expect. This is what is wanted and this is what is not wanted. Being able to be open and honest about that is the first step for comfort for an autistic person. Also, the quiet spaces to be respected, to for there to be somewhere that someone can just go and calm down. That's 
even just like thing like Oink do, they supply earplugs that if you need a few minutes, you can do that. We also started having dedicated what we call service puppies in the pup community or specific people that will wear something on their neck that have been trained in someone who's having a burnout or having a meltdown. And you go to the, that person if you have it and they will take you out and calm you down and do whatever it is that and they will be at all of the events. So small little things like that, just kind of understanding as well, don't infantilize people with autism just because like they might say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, act weirdly as holistic people will think that it's weird for that they said that or it's weird that they won't look at me or it's weird. And so it's kind of they there's an assumption therefore that well are they able to consent have they got the mental abilities to be able to consent it's just a stim it's there is a thing that people are trying to do now which is called gorilla stimming i think it's called which is like you just assault like you just go crazy with your stims for five minutes get it all out of your system and then go right okay i'm ready and then get in and just accept that that that's it's a different way of thinking it's a different brain it's then not everyone is going to be the same mm. i don't i mean definitely if someone says they have autism to me i'm definitely a little bit nervous because i don't as i said i don't know much about it and i don't know how i should act do you know what I mean? And I know you said it's a complete spectrum, but it, in some ways, I start treating people differently because I'm I'm I don't want to do anything or say anything that's going to harm them in, in a way. And I I know that's probably not a good way to look at it, but it, it certainly I feel it in my brain. There's there's a shift happening. It's probably good to have that to a certain extent, but I think that of all people, an autistic person is going to to tell you. Certainly I would, I know I have a slightly more dominant personality. I have a slightly, I'm slightly more dominant persona when I'm in the King scene, but an autistic person would know they, they have an openness with themselves to such an extent that they know really where their limits are. They'll push them, mm -hmm. but they will be, they do know where their limits are. So holistic people or your typical people just accept, kind of don't infantilize them don't say that oh well they're not able or they're i shouldn't say this or kind of treat them differently treat them with kid gloves or anything like that mm. just it's a different way it seems a bit weird to you but well the, the it... irony is is i relate to a lot of it which is this is the silly thing like i if there's loud noises in my environment i can't work i can't like I, I get distracted by it if i'm doing something i can be hyper focused on it so i, I relate to a lot of the things mm -hmm. um like I know my mum keeps in... asking me if, I, if I'm on the spectrum. She's like, yeah, I think you might be on the spectrum slightly. I was like, oh, mm, thanks, mum. Like <laughs> we use we use the spoon theory an awful lot. If you've heard of that mm, in I autism, haven't. no. So we say it's called it's for a thing called it's for a thing that's um, known as energy management or energy accounting. So you say that you have five spoons at the start of your day. That's oh, you, you fully charged. Time, yes, it's a really good way of being able to deal, being able to account for your energy for a day. So I have five spoons at the start of the day. I'm rested. I'm fine. I'm not one way or the other. I'm just totally normal five spoons. I have a day planned out in front of me, which I'm, let's say, go to work. That's going to cost me three spoons or two spoons, let's say. And then I'll only have three spoons left. So it's like, mm, okay, we're running low. And then after that, I've agreed that I'm going to go out and meet someone, uh, someone for a drink somewhere or do something like that. Now that's going to cost me two spoons. So mm -hmm. I'm down and now I'm down to one spoon. So we're getting close now to burnout. 
and then the journey home is going to cost me a spoon. So I've accounted for that. Now I have no spoons left at the end of the day. I need to make sure that I do something that's going to recharge those spoons. So generally with autistics, well, autistic people, I say autistics, sorry, it's possibly <laughs> offensive to some people, but I have to do something that's going to recharge those spoons. So for me, it's my special interests. Mm -hmm. So it would be playing the piano, listening to specific classical music, watching the same TV show over and over and over mm -hmm. and over. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Frasier. I know every single yes. line up by heart. Yeah, yes. it's just comfort. It like, is it's comfort. comfort. <laughs> yeah, I can't sleep as well in silence. That's another thing for me. Uh, I can't. Silence is a highly uncomfortable thing for me because I start to hear electricity. I can hear lights and those start to get louder and they start to get really irritating. So I will sleep with a TV show on like just somewhere in the background. No, no light, no nothing like that. I can turn the screen off. I just need to have the noise of it so that I can fall asleep. Drives my husband mental. <laughs> but so he has many a device to cover up his eyes, his ears and everything just so that he can uh, get to sleep. I hear you on the electrical sounds and the uh, like, if there's a, a watch or a clock ticking, like on the opposite side of the room, I'm like, no, that has to go yeah, out because it's keeping me awake. But, yeah. but I need, I'm the opposite, I need total silence. If there's any sockets buzzing, I turn them all off and then I need total silence. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting because I, I would use, I would, I would need total silence, but because I don't get it, I just decided, you know, switch. I flipped the switch. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to give myself something that I know in my head. I know it so well. Mm. One of them is Frasier. The other is QI. I have some that I will go back to and I will put them on. I will know the episode off by heart. I will be Voyager, by the way, Star Trek Voyager. Yes. <laughs> I will listen to that episode. I will know the lines that are coming and that comfort mm. of knowing what's about. And there's nothing going to be surprising. There's nothing that's going to startle me or jump mm. or anything. Mm. I'll then gradually just start to fall into sleep. Mm. It's very interesting. Yeah. I, it's funny because a lot of the kink events we go to, and one of the reasons we don't like it is when they start super late, they're, they're always playing loud techno music. There's loads of people all crowded in. And the people are loud. People are loud. Yes. And I th I was thinking, you know, that's got to be the, the opposite of what a lot of people would like. But see, you know, they're very popular. So the ones I like are the much quieter ones where there's only a few people and you can sort of chat to them at the beginning and it's soft music and lighting. And, and I think we're lucky over here. One of our guys, one of the events, our main events, Oink, would be organized by guys who... I think I'm, hmm, I don't know if they are autistic, but they certainly work in mental health. I know one of them and the another would work just in the general areas of and I think one of their partners is autistic. That's what it is. And they are very aware to have specific um, things ready and in place for autistic people because they know what it's like. They know they see what their partner wouldn't be able to go to it or their husband wouldn't be able to go to it if they weren't giving them a chill out room and just um, somewhere to decompress for a minute, somewhere that they can even just put your phone on mm. and sit in the corner. Because we do try to say in kink events, no phones. So somewhere, though, that you can just go and sit down and doom scroll, do something comforting for 10, 15 minutes with headphones on. And then you can then you're ready to reach. That's basically recharging your spoons mm. and you can then you're ready to go back out for a little while longer. Yeah. Do you ever see like a scene as being something that can recharge spoons like if I think about me having a really anxious day that has depleted my energy and has got me very antsy and keyed up 
then if I have a scene to look forward to as a sub, I know that that's going to bring me back to my baseline. If I was in a sub, more sub head space and I was had my pup hood on, being able to give up that control would be very uh, relaxing that I don't have to kind of, I will be told what to do. I don't need to think about, that would be something that, that would recharge me and something that would be kind of light that wouldn't take too much mm. away. So like, I wouldn't do an impact scene or anything or I wouldn't do, but something that would just be instructional, something that would be, you do this ordered around that would be, yeah, that would recharge because I can just let go then of the worries and I don't have to kind of keep thinking for myself for a little while. Yeah. That would definitely be a recharge. But on the dominant side, less so. Less so on the dominant side, yeah. yeah. Well, that's because, yeah, I think for me anyway, I am I was listening to one of your episodes recently and that helped me a lot. It was overthinking. Like that whole, because I do tend to overthink an awful lot when it comes to not knowing exactly what to say, having the script ready, mm. having the whole thing laid out and planned. And it's something that I'm still journeying in at the moment to try and stop that. So I think if, I'm hoping eventually when I get more experienced, when I get involved and I'll more in it, that that will start to drop away and I will be able to use dominance as being something to recharge, something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Mm. So tell me more about that. Your, you've got the Ripley, Pup Ripley side, and then you've got the Sir, Sir Chris, Sir Chris yeah. side. <laughs> like what, how do you experience the difference? What made you want to move more into that side of things? Well, it started with when, so when I started with Puppy, I I assumed that puppies had to be sub, that that's just what they were. So that's automatically, again, the autism came in, the, the literalism of it, it was like, puppies are sub, therefore I am sub, grand. So I went into sub and I enjoyed it. I was good at it, but I wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. I certainly wasn't enjoying the sub space as much as I was seeing other subs enjoying it. So... That's when I said, okay, well, I'm going to experiment a little bit more with Alpha. So got up off my off the floor and kind of dressed in my leather instead of the um, singlets and started to feel more comfortable with that. Then when as I got more comfortable then as being an Alpha pup and being more dominant as a pup, that's when I decided, let's try this then without the hood. So let's leave Ripley to the side because Ripley was becoming a little bit more like a father figure. And for me as well, he was quite, he was becoming ace to a certain extent. He wasn't a sexual being really anymore. He was like a loving kind of nurturing (laughs) figure. When I got up off the floor and took off the Ripley, took off the hood and started to experiment more as a Dom, I decided to be Sir Chris. You've got this nurturing side. And then as a Dom, you're meant to be doing things that are maybe you know being strict being you know giving someone pain potentially mm-hmm. ordering them around bossing them around and that feels very against being a nurturing kind of person that's my experience anyway and so yeah. i in my head i struggle sometimes to boss someone around or tell them to go and do things for me because i'm so used to being the caregiver in yeah. that caregiver role which is still a dominant role but a, a, a different one to a traditional dom mm-hmm yeah, definitely. There was, I found myself as well. I was relying to, and luckily I have an experienced sub who's um, male this time. I did, I have played with uh, female identifying people before 
And I there was actually one in particular at one of our events who was but she was almost a professional sub to a certain extent. She would so she helped me a huge amount um with impact play as I was learning Florentine flogging and um which was very difficult <laughs> and takes an awful lot of practice to get right. But she was willing, kind of she would dress in a very specific corset type thing to protect her kidneys and to protect her spine. And she would direct you on how to do it, where you're hitting. They should be like, no, lower, no, that's mm -hmm. too hard. Don't do that. And that was invaluable for me, going to those types of workshops and learning, learning kind of how to do it. Mm -hmm. My sub then would be, or boy, I would call him. He's quite experienced as a boy and he's good in the sense that I had a tendency to keep asking him what he wanted and keep asking, like, well, what do you want to do? What is like, and he kind of, he has kind of led me in to an extent and there's a note this is your journey you have to figure this out this is you have to find your own voice mm. it's not for i he's not going he's not responsible to create a dom yeah you you really have to find this yourself and that advice was invaluable to me mm. like stop listening to what other doms say mm. stop listening to what subs are telling you you have to figure out where your comfort line is what what are you enjoying from this? What is the point in this? Like, if I'm literally only doing this to give, because I've been told by a sub that this is what a dom is, I'm a very, very niche dom that's only going to really be satisfied one person. Yeah. So it's a so it really is something that I've had to stop listening to people, figure it out, and and have the discussion with yourself. Is this okay? Can we do this? Can we try this? And have the negotiations and see where see where your voice is because mm -hmm. that's the hardest part for me at the, anyway is my is finding not just the literal voice it is a voice but it's the literal voice as well of I do I like that thing in your head that says oh god don't say that you sound so stupid or or, or just worrying that you'll say something off the cuff that is just people will laugh at it or something really just that's the hardest part for me at the moment and it's still the part of the journey that I'm on but it's also the funnest part to a great extent you because i'm finally able to try things out i'm able to feel more comfortable in my dom skin mm. than i have before and definitely your podcast has certainly helped with that and the overthinking especially i was like, oh i definitely i need to stop doing that mm. it's definitely i think it's the key message is to and you you said it exactly there is to you know be the dom or sub that you want to be there's there's guidelines and there's labels that you can start with as a starting point to kind of figure out what you might be interested in but really it's it's your journey to create the dom or sub personality that you yeah. want and that you're getting something from and then then you go out and you find the partner that that complements that rather than yeah. what i see a lot of people doing especially more more on the sub side is that they find the dom the dom in, is into this and then they go oh well okay i'm gonna do exactly what they say and therefore i'm a sub and then they're miserable and then they're miserable yeah. but they're like oh well, this is how it's meant to be because he's a dom and it's like no you got to figure out what you like as a sub or what yeah. you like as a dom and then you go and find the person yeah, yeah. and i've noticed that a lot with certainly on our scene anyway i've seen a lot of younger guys coming in and Especially, I I know off the hand, I would know three or four who would be neurodivergent. They would be autistic, and they're coming in as subs, but they are they are just kind of 
I would ask them even as a dom, I would say I'm not going to be entering any scene with them or anything like that, but just as a conversation, maybe at the smoking area or anything. We say, well, what is it that you're looking for? What kind of scenes are you into? What would you be? What play would you be into? And they really don't know, and they are willing to push. They're willing to do things that really they don't want to do. Yeah. And if I gave it to them, if I said to them, like, are you into? I don't know. Like dragon tails, or like as in like really very very serious whipping kind of or impact. They were oh yeah 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 definitely yeah if that's what you like and so like, yeah. no that's that's not the that's not the answer I need to know what yours are you need to have this ready or yeah. like it's all fine I but absolutely you can push yourself you can say that this is where I'm kind of at at the moment we can go to this point push a little bit maybe beyond that but I'm going to tell you to stop if I wanted to stop if then I will be comfortable and they'll be comfortable but yeah if I have noticed a lot of the younger guys coming in with thinking that they can just say oh anything yeah mm -hmm. I've had subs say that to no. me they're just like just dominate me do whatever you want to me and I'm like you don't mean that like mm -mm. like what if I, I want to fist your ass are you, are you if that's anything like I don't yep. want to do that but like uh, yeah. of course so that's, that's not gonna of, yeah. be, you're not gonna enjoy that why would you say do anything to me that's not or people seem to think that there's the there is this turn on to having the words no limits mm. it's like but oh that to me that's a run away yeah. i'm i'm running as far away from you as possible if you say that to me Agreed. because it's just terrifying to think that someone like i said it to a while ago he said oh i'll i, I would try anything i don't have any real limits i would but i said okay then do you want me to hang you off the do you, do you want me to put a noose on you and hang you from the road from the rafters for 20 minutes and, oh well no i didn't want that I said, well that's anything yeah you have yeah. to have your limits yeah like you know where like come in start slowly don't start with everything and pull back mm. go in slowly and put it like add in things yeah. like always add to it don't don't do a negative scoring system on it. Like, yeah, yeah. What I'm curious, what what does the dom side give you that the alpha pup didn't? The dom side gave it was interesting that the difference between the two for me was the voice. I in pop play, I was an alpha, but using instincts, using facial kind of cues mostly in moshes. Well, I felt that I was just growing slightly. Like I definitely pup, and I'm running as well for Mr. Puppy Ireland. He <laughs> plug. Uh, <laughs> but so I am still very much a pup and in the pup scene. I just found that my dom side, I wanted to kind of expand it slightly more into using voice, into using my the kind of not, not that I was using Ripley or the hood as a crutch but i guess he was to a certain extent he was helping me kind of develop into a more dominant character so now when the hood came off it just allowed me now to find the next stage of it which is my voice the being able to dominate someone through my words through how i speak to them or through my personality which is something that i didn't do as a pup mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of why I wanted to try it. And definitely, I think it's where I'm still finding comfort and still finding where I am in that. Mm. So as a, as a, as a way of, did you see it as a way of, you just felt you wanted your voice or you just saw it as a, a self-development, like the next stage you wanted to develop your ability to 
usual. Does, yeah, that as well as actually Rip, because Ripley had ended up becoming so ace, he was as asexual. I know my mm-hmm. partner isn't into pop play, like my husband isn't into pop play, and my son most definitely isn't into pop play. <laughs> so I was kind of surrounded by people who were not sexualizing Ripley, and I wasn't either. I, I, I was seeing him as being a caring, he was becoming extremely caring, extremely the person who the community would come to if they had a problem. Mm. If there was an issue somewhere, they would come to me, they would speak to me and they would see me as being, a, I hate the word pillar, but as I, I was always at, an, at the events and I was always there ready to help. Mm. So then I kind of wanted to get into the more nitty gritty, I guess, of BDSM. I wanted to get more into impact play, more into domination, more into that side of it. And Ripley wasn't going to be able to do that because he was asexual. Got it. So when when I got horny, basically, got I, so I the, the sexual side allow you is allowing yeah. to come in. Yeah, yeah. Sense. For me, pup, I know an awful lot of people. They do. They engage in pup like pup play, sex wise. Like they would use like they would be pups while having sex. That's fine, and I can say I've tried it as well. But for me, Ripley just wasn't that type of up yeah. he was it just wasn't right for him so when i do want to go to a kink event that would have dark rooms or anything i might bring ripley he's a very good he's very handy for the pup to be a pup and um to kind of have that escape into pup space for a little while but then if things get into about one o'clock two o'clock in the morning and eh, maybe the hood might go into the cloakroom for a little while and my mirror cap will go on yes. and then my personality will switch into mm. a far more dominant yeah figure tell me more about mr pup ireland what does what does that even involve how well how do they it's... judge it oh well <laughs> i'm they imagining just... like a big like a like a, a dog show you know like like yeah. with the with yeah. the, the crofts yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh great agility Except no agility no agility, no agility. <laughs> But no, it pretty much is. You, we, you have it in the UK. There's some very well-established UK pups, UK pup UKs who have gone on to pop Europe and pop international and everything. So it's basically a pageant is the best way to put it. It's all of the puppy. You make your, you put in your application to, to be judged. A panel of judges from, I think we have the UK handler is coming over. It might be the UK. Oh, I best not say anything because I'm not sure. Uh, a series of judges will be brought over to Ireland, they will then be here for the Dublin Leather Weekend, which is the end of February. Yep, it's in a few weeks. And during that will be the judging for the puppy, Mr. Puppy Ireland. And so you're judged on a few things. And you have to do sit an interview first. They will also be monitoring your social media. They'll be watching what your kind of what your personality is, what type of pup you are, what you're doing in the community. What good are you kind of what good do you bring to the community? What advantage, what um, positive mm-hmm. do you bring to the community? Then they will ha- you'll have an interview with the panel where you'll sit, you'll talk to them about what pop play is to you, what you, what type of pop you are. They'll gauge your personality, what are your plans as well for the year. So, uh, like, what improvements are you going to make? What kind of platform are you running on? That sort of thing. And then there'll be the final, there'll be the night where they will watch you interacting with people so they'll want to see how are you behaving around people how do people perceive you 
and the community as a pup or, or just as a pup right yeah as a pup okay. or as and just standing around as well like or like oh. if you're sit if you're standing in the so corner and not a job interviews oh uh, yeah for lasting for two or three days yeah, yeah. So you're kind of you have to constantly be on you have to constantly know that you're being watched that yeah there will be a judge somewhere that's kind of looking to see how do people behave around you are people coming up to you are you going around to people as well like because they don't want to just see one puppy standing with his two friends in the corner <laughs> and that's it for the entire yeah. night yeah you need to be able to schmooze and mingle and stuff like that mm -hmm. so then then they will do a tally of their votes and then they will there will be a small portion of it for the community and they will make a decision as well they will vote themselves and then yes you're elected and crowned well not crowned but you, <laughs> you do get a sash nice. very nice sash and a hood we'll say mr puppy ireland 2020 2024 and yep and then you're basically the leader of the community for that year oh and wow you would be expected to kind of have a presence organize events if you can definitely be traveling around just bringing pup play around the place demystify it don't make people like make sure that people aren't kind of scared of it or don't know what it is like i've marched in pride parades around the country dressed as ripley and yeah people have asked many questions about especially when you go to the rural areas and there's rural prides that are quite small and there's this puppy in full leather gear walking down the middle of the street that ah that is unusual and so so yeah it's kind of just making sure that you puppy pup pet play and puppy play visible demystify it don't make it scary and welcome new people in and show them what it's like and then you can have a platform to go to puppy europe and be judged again uh for the um european title and then international which nice. is the highest wow. highest up again they have the same with like mr leather as well mm -hmm. like mr leather uk or mr leather ireland or mr leather mr leather dublin amazing well, best of luck yeah thank what, you can i ask uh what's your platform then what are you going to what are you running for me it's mostly about it is about neurodivergence and it is about making sure that pups who are like guys who are coming in who might be neurodivergent might not know what to do where to go i like to be a service puppy so i'll bring them in I'll show them what what it's like. They can hang around me. I'll introduce them to people. I'll introduce, and then I've done this, this several times with a lot of um, younger guys who would come in. Now they're off having their own friends. They're they have their own community, their own little pack, and it's great to see that. So you kind of bring them in, and um, kind of like a mother hen. I just let them let them free eventually, and they fly the nest. But also the big issue that a lot of people are having at the moment in the scene is the issue surrounding consent mm. so that is a big issue certainly in our community with the younger guys as well there seems to be a impression that because of like you're a man and because of the way you're dressed therefore it is okay to grab you on grab you by the arse as you're walking by or you should like be grateful for all of this attention or you should like and there is a huge issue with certain people and certain aspects of the community or even tourists in the community who would come. I don't mean literal tourists. I mean, like people who will come in for a look mm -hmm. of, or manage to find their way into a BDSM event or get get themselves in somehow. And they don't know how to behave and they don't know the rules. 
and they think that it's perfectly fine. Like I know that one of my one of my friends would have been grabbed so many times inappropriately as he was just walking across the dance floor just to go to for a drink. And that gets really annoying mm -hmm. after a while. And then being made feel bad for your reaction to it. Like if you report it that you're seen as being oh for like you sure he was grateful. only having you should be grateful yeah. or you should you should mm -hmm. oh, sure look at the way you're dressed. Sure aren't you gorgeous? And say like, that's not the point. Like you you don't have the right to touch me. You don't have the right to put your hands on my like on my bulge or something like that just because I'm in kinkwear or leatherwear or latex or something. Yeah. So that is one of the platforms as well that people would be running. Like I know that the Oink events would have they have certain systems in place where if you feel that something has happened that you need to report or if some um, person is behaving highly inappropriately, you ask for a specific name. It kind of changes every so often, but you will ask one of the organizing events or organizers who are around. You'll ask, oh, it is it'll be a specific phrase that you'll use mm -hmm. and they will know what that means, that that means that there is a consent issue happening mm -hmm. or there's a consent issue possibly even happening in the dark room mm -hmm. at that time and they will intervene and remove the person from it. So mm -hmm. little bits of awareness like that, but getting more awareness into the younger guys that that isn't acceptable. You don't have to put up with that. And just because you're young and inexperienced does not give the right of for older people to use you like that or to assault you like that. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, if I can vote for you, I'll, I'll vote for you. That's, uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. Possible. You'll have to come over. You'll have, yeah, have, to, have, to, you. yeah. have, to, have to come over to the event. <laughs> now, I think when you emailed me, you did mention that you are involved in a charity. Or this is um, the Switchboard. So the Switchboard is it's Ireland's longest run, continuously running LGBTQIA+. I'm just going to say LGBT. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, of, a lot of letters. Charity in Ireland. So it started off as um, back uh, back along. I terrible with my dates and my history. That's my colleague in the charity is much better at this, but I think it was in the sixties mm -hmm. or seventies. But they started as uh, Telefriend, which was because homosexuality was illegal in Ireland. It was a place where you could ring friend mm -hmm. in inverted commas, and it was known that that's where you rang to kind of connect with other LGBT people to get support for issues that you might have been facing, especially in places like in rural Ireland and into Catholic rural Ireland, where that was absolutely unacceptable. And it continues, it has been continuously running since then. They were involved in the gay rights movement and they were, they helped with Senator Norris. He brought cases to the European court to have homosexuality decriminalized and only was decriminalized in Ireland in 91, I believe, 1991. And so we are basically a support line. You can ring us. We refer you to and we signpost you to all of the different supports that we have in Ireland available to trans people, to a non-binary, to gay, lesbian. We also run a married men's group, which is for men who are either still in heterosexual marriages or have recently come out as gay and are kind of navigating the waters of divorce and uh, kind of coming to terms with their sexuality we run groups uh, peer support groups for them so we're just a we're a community outreach kind of charity that i am the director of so yeah we do uh, we do a lot of work mm -hmm. for lgbt services over here but the switchboard.ie 
if anyone's looking. Okay. It's really important work. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, now I really do love it. It's because I it gives us an idea as well of what's needed mm -hmm. in the community, and we're because I'm not sure maybe it is because of my tenure as director, and being on the committee. But we are we don't accept funding from certain sources, so we wouldn't accept funding, for example, from our health service executive, because HSE. So you're the equivalent of being your your NHS. Mm. We wouldn't accept that because it always comes with the caveat that you have to you're not allowed advocate for certain things. So things like chemsex, which is a huge issue in the gay male um, community. Chemsex is, we wouldn't be allowed give the training that we give, which mm -hmm. is um, harm reduction. We would have to, we're, we like, we can, we will, we won't teach you how to take drugs. That's not what we do, but we will teach you the safety measures you can take to make sure that when you do it, if you're doing it, I'm, no one's going to stop you from doing it. But if you do it, this is how you do it safely. Mm. This is how you make sure that you don't, that someone doesn't die, that you don't put yourself in risk, that like we will be able to give that training. But if we were to take funding from places like health service executives or from religious groups or anything like that, that would have to stop. So mm -hmm. we don't do that. Yeah. We're extremely kink positive, sex positive. We don't like we are we are supported by the Leather Man of Ireland. They have given us donations many, many times. We run their cloakroom. Oink out in kink. We do their cloakroom for them and they give us donations. We man the door for them. So we're very, very sex positive, inclusive charity that the yeah, the kind fantastic. of a cornerstone of the Irish of the Irish charity area. Yeah. Fantastic. And it, so if people want to find more, they can go to switchboard.ie. The switchboard.ie. The switchboard.ie. Yeah, .ie. And it has as well all of the, it has an area as well that you can get information on a vast array of kind of different things. But if yeah. you have also, if anyone in Ireland is listening and they need to just check something, if they just need to know where to get PrEP or PEP, which is an anti-HIV drug, they, we will have the list of places you can go for that. We tell you how to take it, tell you the nearest club that we can even tell you the nearest sewing group that I have for <laughs> so we have all of that information it's all central amazing and if people want to find out more about you personally and your sort of pup sides where should they go yeah, yeah on instagram so i would be puppy ripley on instagram i wouldn't go on to my twitter <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not a safe for work area yeah okay <laughs> and and in terms of mr pup Ireland, where is there a website for that or where they can There's find out on more Instagram, about your journey? I'm uh, on Instagram. You can look at uh, Pups and Handlers uh, Ireland. Okay. And it's uh, Pups Ampersand Handlers okay. Ireland. So it's that's kind of who are running the Mr. Puppy Ireland contest. And on that, you'll see all of our all of our beautiful hoods to be judged and a bio underneath it as well. And then it'll direct you as well to our own individual pages. So you can see what type of things that we do, the events that we go to. I run, starting to run as well, an autistic kinkster group called PAC. I couldn't get an acronym that worked. So I just <laughs> went with, it's meant to be pups and autistic kinksters. It, I know it doesn't work. I know that those aren't the letters, but it was the closest I could get that was cutesy for yeah. yeah. kind of a dog pack. So it's pups and autistic kingsters. Where pack. where can people find find that? That's uh, pack.com. Uh, okay, pack.com. Great. Yeah. 
and that will bring you to my page. It's only starting still at the minute. We're still, I'm still kind of deciding on our first events. That's going to happen after the, everyone has kind of calmed down from the letter weekend, which is yeah. coming up, which is going to be huge. Yeah. So. yeah. Amazing. Oh, wow. What else? Is there anything we haven't asked you that you think we should have asked you or anything, any final words that you'd like to give to anyone listening? Probably just if you do with autism, with the autistic side, I would say give people some space, realize that people, not everyone is the same. Not everyone thinks the same and gives people a little bit of space and time and kind of a little bit less judgment in the community would make everyone's life so much easier with the pup side it's we're just playing dress up it's a bit of fun it's not that serious it's and it's like it's something to be kind of enjoyed and not to be taken too seriously Great. so and if anyone does need help or advice in ireland the switchboard even if you want to ring from the uk i'm sure you can just put in the codes first we would have information that would help you just have fun with it guys don't don't take pup play, certainly don't play it, take it seriously. At the end of the day, we're all playing dress up. Uh, so Great. that's pretty much it. Great. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being our guest today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you about all those subjects that I have, people have been asking for and I, I had little knowledge of. So yeah. really thank you very much. Your time. Yeah, thank you. It's no, it really pleasure. does help. It helps to demystify it for everyone. So yeah. yeah. Great. Thanks well, so with that in mind, we'll say lots of love and spanks to everyone listening. And uh, tune in next time from from Pup Ripley slash Sir Chris and Wano <laughs> will say goodbye. Bye bye. Thanks a million. You're listening to Chief from kinkyevents.co.uk, helping you create the dom stuff dynamic you've always fantasized about. 